song you're hearing right now. It's called Drywall. It's from the band Surf Manchu. It's from their album, The Beast from the East. You can find them over at surfmanchu.bandcamp.com. Check them out when you're done listening to episode 559 of the podcast devoted to the classic and sometimes not so classic genre cinema of yesteryear. I'm talking about Monster Kid Radio. And I am your writer, host, producer, Derek M. Cook. And I am stoked to talk about a giant monkey, chimpanzee, ape movie. We're talking about the movie Conga from 1961, I believe. I'd have to double check. But you know what? I'm just going to listen to the rest of the episode because I'm sure we're going to mention it when we talk with Robert Kelly from Record All Monsters. You might have even just heard one say in the background. She's excited as well to talk about the movie Conga. We're going to get into that. Plus... Kenny is back with another look at Famous Monsters of Filmland, and Mark Madsky's Beta Capsule Review is on deck with another episode of Ultra 7 in the discussion limelight crosshairs, that thing that he throws around and cuts monsters in half with, you know, the, the razor forehead thing that Ultra 7 has. You know what? Check out Ultra 7. I can't stress this enough. Ultra 7 is awesome. This movie was a lot of fun as well. Kenny is awesome. You know what's also awesome? The Monster Kid Radio listener base, the audience, those of you who download the show, listen to the show, share the show with your friends. Thank you. It means a lot to have y'all having my back while we do episodes like this. a biological chain reaction, a geometrical progression of deadly menace. It had started casually, insignificantly, as momentous events often do. Look there. Two points off the port bow. The giant behemoth, the fire-spitting monster predicted in the Bible, its core a mass of lethal radiation. Rising from the depths of time, its strength enormous, its gargantuan ferocity a threat to London, to the world itself. We must find a way of destroying this creature in one piece. Judging by the beast's size, I would say it was powerful enough to drive a battleship. Of course, its tremendous electric charge is what projects the radiation. That's what makes the creature so deadly. Well, have you any concrete suggestions? Yes. First, block off the Thames.
Come on in. We've been expecting you. Expecting us? Join this international trio in a real gone interworld escapade. Have you ever seen a head pursued by a body? No, sir. Well, I have. It's horrible. Sir, would you mind pausing just the way you are? Come on, let's get out of here. You forbid all you like. You can't scare me. I'm leaving now. When this cool cat gets ghost-frozen stiff, this hepcat moves in to make time. But a ghostly chaperone breaks it up. Don't, Charles, don't! Help yourself to a castle full of fear-filled fun. Look out! An unbelievable adventure into the realm of the unreal. Ghost. He's your host. Enjoy the carnal pleasures of people long gone. Dr. Lee Cushing. Welcome to my Chamber of Horrors. Dr. Cushing's Chamber of Horrors is a monster rally novel in the tradition of the classic Universal and Hammer horror film. It's written by Stephen D. Sullivan, the award-winning author of White Zombie, Daikaiju Attack, Manos the Hands of Fate, and one of the creators of the original chill role-playing game. This book recreates the thrills of the classic monster versus monster film. We've got vampires, werewolves, Mummies, psychic twins, scheming madmen, and plenty of unexpected chills. Now you can get Dr. Cushing's Chamber of Horrors in print, or for Kindle at Amazon.com and other fine retailers. Coming soon in other ebook formats. Find out more at CushingHorrors.com or SDSullivan.com, and support Steve's work through Patreon at HeySteve.com. I do hope you've enjoyed your visit. Please come again, and remember, the chamber is always waiting for its next victim. Live from the Land of Light in Nebula M78, home of the mighty Ultra Heroes, it's Monster Kid Radio's Beta Capsule Review. The Secret of the Lake is revealed in the third episode of Ultra 7, and, in a word, it is electrifying. Dan and Furuhashi are sent to the Kiso Valley to investigate a tip regarding a downed spacecraft, and upon arrival observe the unusual sight of a young girl removing a catch from a fisherman's line and swimming away. They give chase without success until they locate the flying saucer, and after entering, encounter the same girl who claims to be using the ship as a hideout. As Dan realizes how unlikely this scenario is, the control room fills with knockout gas, and while losing consciousness, he sees an alien figure approaching. The being knows exactly what it's looking for, the Ultra Eye, without which Dan cannot transform into Ultra Seven. The bug-eyed creature removes it from Dan's pocket and fades into the gas cloud, 
When he comes to, Dan realizes what has happened and breaks protocol to track the thief by himself. Without warning, a monster rises from Lake Azuma. It's Elaking, a black and white kaiju with properties of an electric eel, which is being controlled by the alien from the downed UFO. Without the Ultra Eye, Dan unleashes capsule monster Miklas, who engages in a prolonged battle with Elaking, which ends when Elaking delivers a tremendous shock to Miklas through its tail. Running out of options, Dan returns to the spacecraft in a last-ditch effort to recover the Ultra Eye. If he fails, Elaking and its handler, Alien Pit, will be free to dominate the world. The Secret of the Lake was written by Tetsuo Kinjo, as were episodes one and two, and it's fun to see how this world keeps unfolding. One Ultra Guard ship launches right through a waterfall, while a manned rocket takes off from their movable hillside. But the most enduring introduction is of two monsters, Elaking and Miklas, who would both become fan favorites and reappear in numerous series, including Kaiju Step, which debuted in 2018, an animated show not unlike Jim Henson's Muppet Babies, except the stars are little Subaraya monsters. Here in episode three, the two duke it out in grand fashion in a story heavy on spectacle, action, and intrigue. The winning formula of Ultra 7. For Monster Kid Radio's Beta Capsule Review, this is Mark Matsky reporting. unleashed shock spectacle of such scope and realism as up from the depths of prehistoric mystery rages Virgo. The headlines of the world blaze the fabulous story of this monster from another age, catapulted from some vast sub-ocean cavern by unprecedented volcanic action. And the headlines scream the story of the reckless skin divers who captured the monster and put it on exhibition. Sam! Pull out! Drop the net! What do you think you're doing? Hey, take it easy. I can't let him go back to the sea where he belongs. Why? Maybe to save your silly skins for you. Hurry, hurry, hurry to see Gorgo. But the headlines do not record the story of a little boy who had a curious sympathy and understanding for the fantastic creature. What strange secret does he know that scientists only suspect? You trying to say there may be a fully grown one of these things around somewhere? How big would a full-grown one be? An approximate guess. The infant. The adult. That would make it nearly 200 feet tall. Wreaking terrible vengeance against the civilization that has captured its offspring. Towering over the cities of the world as millions flee its awesome terror. Prepare! can stop it, defying the force of the army, the might of the Navy. Fire number one, Terry. Ready to open fire, sir. File one. Even the fury of the jets. 
crashing crescendo of sights never before beheld by human eyes and adventures never before experienced by any man or woman. I say there are things better left unsolved. Who knows what waits for us in nature's no man's land? Impossible, unbelievable, fantastic. But I tell you, it could happen. It could happen. It could happen. It could happen. Yes, it could happen. For various authorities believe that buried somewhere under the polar ice cap, in a state of suspended animation, are the awesome creatures, the leviathans that roamed the earth at the dawn of time. And under certain conditions, a nuclear explosion can free one from his icy tomb. Then, guided by instinct, the beast would come back, back to the caverns of the deepest Atlantic where it was spawned, an armored giant wreaking his prehistoric fury on modern man and his puny machines. Cities would be terrorized by the cruel intruder from the past. Populations crazed and panicked with fear by its destructive force. Granite and steel would crumble. Soldiers and their weapons would be powerless before the onslaught of the beast. The beast, the beast, the beast from 20,000 fathoms. Herald Square, 34th Street, Broadway, every section of the city is guarded. No one knows where the monster will strike next. Another one, Colonel? No. You know what the radioactive isotope is? No, but if it can be loaded, I can fire it. I'll load it. Just remember one thing. This is the only isotope of its kind this side of Oak Ridge, so you can't miss. Hello there, Monster Kid Radioheads. This is Kenny with a look at Famous Monsters of Filmland. Today's film, Conga, did not get feature coverage in FM, but I did find some mentions of it and its star, Michael Goff. Let's take a look. First of all, in issue 60 from December of 1969, we find this information in an article about man-eating plants. Conga, of course, was mainly about a mini-sized King Kong. Made in 1961 by Herman Cohen, this AIP Monster 8 picture dwelt mainly with the story of a monkey and his shines in London when he became king size. But its 90 minutes included some interesting footage on the man-eating plant theme. The plot cast Michael Goff as a scientist who brought back with him from Africa a baby chimpanzee and some carnivorous plants. That doesn't tell you much about the man-eating plant part, does it? But actually, when you've seen one man-eating plant, you've seen them all, haven't you? Oh, you're greedy. In issue 66 from June of 1970, in an article about gorilla suit actors, we have this brief but interesting comment from George Barrows. Not willing to travel to England, Barrows rented his ape suit to AIP for Conga. It looked terrible in the picture, the actor complains. They didn't even brush the hair. 
And anyone who knows anything about healthy gorillas surely knows an ape's hair is well-groomed. Finally, in a lengthy article about Michael Goff, we have this brief synopsis of the film. The following year, Goff made his second film for Anglo-Amagulated Films, the 1960 Herman Cohen production called Conga. This poor man's giant ape plop had Goff as botany scientist Dr. Charles Decker, surviving an air crash over the jungles of Africa and bringing home to London a small chimpanzee named Conga. Decker has discovered a revolutionary link between plant and animal life and tells his fiancée assistant, Margaret, that he plans to use Little Conga in a daring experiment. But it is not long before Little Conga becomes Big Conga. With a serum extracted from the roots of a carnivorous plant, Decker stimulates growth in the chimpanzee, which assumes gorilla-like proportions. At the college where he teaches, Decker is reprimanded for discussing his new discoveries with the press. Determined that nothing shall deter him from showing Conga to the world, the doctor hypnotizes the ape and commands it to kill the dean. Another murder is committed when Decker learns that Professor Tagore, an Indian botanist, has been working on the same experiments as he was. Wishing to keep all the glory for himself, he orders Conga to kill him. When Margaret learns that her fiancé has been seeing another woman, she attempts to destroy his work by killing Conga with an overdose of the plant serum. But the plan backfires when Conga rapidly grows to monstrous proportions, over 80 feet tall. Margaret dies in a laboratory fire, and Conga abducts Decker himself. The monster then takes Decker on a personally guided tour through the heart of London, terrorizing the population. Finally, an army of troops enters the scene, and Conga and his master, turned slave, are felled by the gunfire and exploding bazooka bombs the soldiers launch at him. With death, Conga becomes a normal-sized chimpanzee once more. That is all for this week's look at Famous Monsters of Filmland. We will have more next week. For MKR, this is Kenny saying adios. Horror of Dracula! Dracula, the most terrifying lover the world has ever known. Who will be his bride tonight? Horror of Dracula. Dracula, dead and yet alive for 600 years. Dracula, the human vampire who lusts for human blood. See Horror of Dracula. The greatest shock story of them all now achieves new heights of motion picture suspense. See Horror of Dracula and watch the fiend who rises each night from his coffin bed to seek the rendezvous that alone can keep him alive. See Horror of Dracula and watch those who came to destroy a monster stay to become his victim. See Horror of Dracula, but don't dare see it alone. The chill of the tomb won't leave your blood for hours. Horror of Dracula, all new and in flaming technicolor. Hidden within each of us is a secret desire to destroy. Each of us would like to be able to become the other being, to know the master makeup artist's magic. How to make a monster. Broadway stellar performer Robert H. Harris brings to this theater the most terrifying of men, a man whose mind is distorted by hatred. I'll use the very monsters they mock to bring them to an end. This maniacal strength will linger in your arms and hands. And with it, you'll destroy your real enemies. Exactly as I instruct you.
pending autopsy findings, I would say that he was attacked from behind by someone with fiendish strength. So what do we have to do? Look for a monster? We're not talking about actors. We mean a real monster. Behind the scenes in Hollywood's wonderland of make-believe where pretty girls parade their pulchritude, terror stalks with the stealthy steps of death. And death following death permeates the very air you breathe with horror. Mr. Monster Maker of Maveland sells his talents to the devil. I have a great honor to bestow upon you. I intend to add you two to my collection. You want your wall? As real as I can get them. See the Master Monster Maker's Chamber of Horrors in color. How to make a monster. This is Count Dracula, and I'm here to offer you a friendly warning. Derek and his guests often get excited, and occasionally this results in revealing key plot points of the movies they're discussing. You know how the children of the night, ah, I mean monster kids, can get sometimes. So consider yourself warned. And don't come begging to me to kill them for their transgressions afterward. I have more pressing issues to take care of, like that pesky Van Helsing. Listeners, I really should have hit record about five minutes ago, because Robert and I just spent that much time talking about chili recipes. Because <laughs> that's what you come here for, right? Monster Culinary Radio. Ooh, there we go. There we go. There's a lot of monster cookbooks out there and genre-flavored, you know. I, I don't know. Anyway, hi, it's Robert <laughs> Kelly from Record All Monsters back again on the show. It's been less than a month since your last visit. I just can't stay away, Derek. I have too good a time. Oh, I, I don't mind having you here. Actually, I'm glad that you set up the monster kid signal or whatever. No, you responded to my monster kid signal. Yeah. There we go. There we go. Yeah, because I had no idea what we were going to do this week. So when you reached out and said, let's talk about this movie, I was all in. But Let's catch up. I know it's not been too long, but how's things going over at Record All Monsters? Things are going pretty good. We've been releasing episodes regularly once again. We even have a mini-sode coming out, uh, I think, this week on the Rankin-Bass King Kong animated series. Oh, wow. That has been a a fun little rabbit hole to go down. That sounds like fun. I, I don't have a lot of memory of that show. But I know Rankin and Bass were kind of attached to some King Kong projects in their mm-hmm. history, which is kind of cool. Very cool. When, when does that come out? Uh, that'll be Friday, February 4th. It's February. Okay. So tomorrow. Because this episode's yeah, going out on the 3rd, I hope. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, another back-to-back double feature week for us, I guess. Kind of, sort of. Kind of. Kind of. <laughs> as long as I'm putting out episodes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And well, at least this week, the episodes, the the content's a little bit more thematically. Thematically. Yeah. Yeah. yeah big monkeys. That's right. Big chimpanzees that don't look anything like chimpanzees when they get big. <laughs> but I get it. I get it. Whatever. <laughs> the line in the movie that just sums it up so nicely, one of the police men tells the chief of police, there's a monster gorilla running around London growing to outlandish sizes. That's the movie. That's the movie. 
Yeah, of course. <laughs> We're talking about the movie Conga from 1961, which is a movie that I had seen before. I'm assuming, well, you recommended it. So I'm assuming you had either watched oh, it yes. or, yeah, okay. We did cover it back in the first season of Record All Monsters, but I cannot stop talking about this movie. I love it so much. Really? Okay. Yes. Well, that's great. Um, I, I had fun with it. It's been a long time since I've seen it. I did find myself kind of drifting a little bit at the beginning, but uh, mm. as soon as Michael Goff got a good mouthful of the scenery, I was pretty much all <laughs> in. So, God, he's so good. He's so good. He knows exactly what kind of movie this is and exactly where to put it in full throttle and where to dial it back. And yep, his read on everything is perfect. He's one of these forgotten gems that I feel like you and I, we know that he did a bunch of horror stuff, but the mainstream culture, pop culture. Oh, that's Alfred from Batman. It's like, yeah, Alfred, well, that's, yeah. that's great. That's nice. But dude, Conga, black museum. <laughs> come on. You know, the horror of Dracula. Oh, yes. So good in that. Yes. He, he really uh, is. He's delightful. Trog. Yes. Oh, he's so fun in Trog. But that's what we ended up watching, and I don't know how you watched it. I don't own it. Surprisingly, it's not in my collection, but oh. it was on Paramount+. Plus. Oh, wow. Yeah. I I have the Blu-ray, which, again, I, I brought with me okay. to, from one room of my apartment to the other. And there's some neat special features. There's two special features. Yeah. <laughs> and they're both neat. Uh, one is a radio spot. Oh, for the movie and the others, the, the trailer, which the, the trailer is a wonderful piece of little bizarre cinema in and of itself. But this, this movie, uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but <laughs> <laughs> we don't want to get too far into it yet because there's, there's something we do and we got to do it. Even though you did it less than a month ago, we're going to play another hey. round of the classic five, the, the classic, classic five. five. I'm always up for the classic five. For listeners who are just now joining us or forgot since last week, the Classic Five is a game that we play every week here on Monster Kid Radio, typically with a deck of cards. Each one of these cards has a this or that, which movie do you prefer style question on them. There are no wrong answers. It's just a way to get Monster Kids talking about their favorite subject, monster movies. I say traditionally it's played by a deck of cards because uh, I still don't have my deck of cards. I think I know where it's at. I think I know which box I have them in right now. I just got to finish unpacking that box and pull out the cards. Of course, by then new cards will be available because my plan is by the end of this month, some new decks available over at drivethroughcards.com and I'll keep everybody posted. But in the meantime, we've got five questions to go through. Robert, are you ready to play a round of the classic five? I'm always ready to play the classic five. All right. Question number one, which movie do you prefer son of Kong or son of Godzilla? This is hard, but, I'm always going to give it to Godzilla. The mightiest monster the world has ever known. The mightiest egg the world has ever known. Introducing the son of Godzilla. The fantastic red water. One of the many weird natural phenomena on mysterious Sorgel Island. Son of Godzilla uh, uh, occupies a very special place in my heart. And as much as I love Son of Kong, I came to it 
much later as an adult and the uh just the the warm fuzzies that i have for son of godzilla never quite reached to son of kong see i've not heard a lot of praise for son of godzilla i've always heard about it being like lower on the list of favorite kaiju films so that's interesting to me it's kind of coming around a lot of people are saying oh well you know this isn't you know like Ghidra the three-headed monster or anything like that but it's a very good kind of sweet kaiju movie when i when i was a kid and i saw it just the idea of godzilla as a parent <laughs> like that that tickled me uh-huh the, they managed to make a, a nice relationship between you know two giant radioactive dinosaurs and it's done like through all this animalistic you know, just they're, they're acting like animals for the most part. Um, there are some very hum- humanized moments from Minya, the son of Godzilla, mm. who I, I think gets way more hate than he deserves. Okay. Well, like I said, no wrong answers. Uh, just was curious because like I said, I've never really heard anybody answer that when it comes to this question. So, all right. Well, question number two, what is your favorite man in suit, monkey suit that is, or ape suit movie? And and we'll take this one off the table. Well, because you know we're talking. About I was going to say so. it. It might be Conga, but if that's off the table, oh gosh, there's so many. And I I love, I love monkey movies. As a matter of fact, when I get sick, when I'm in bed sick, I have a stack of ape and gorilla movies. Ah, nice. That I just sit in bed and watch. It's <laughs> a really tough question. Um. There was one I was watching yesterday that was written by Ed Wood called The Bride and the Monster. Yep. And uh, where where a newlywed on her honeymoon keeps having dreams about being a gorilla in a past life. Just because that's the one that's freshest. Because uh, there's so many good ones. Uh, I'm going to go with that at this second. The Bride and the Monster. Okay. No, it's, that's a good one. Uh, it's Ed Wood penned but i love it too so but it doesn't matter no wrong answers no wrong answers all right so the gorilla is a staple in the old dark house movie subgenre what other movie that doesn't have one could use a wandering mad gorilla i think this isn't a cop-out every movie should have a wandering mad gorilla somewhere in it um (laughs) every movie should but i'm going to go with a uh, a more contemporary film that I love a lot that's been on my mind. Oh, okay. Um The Lighthouse from 2019. <laughs> <laughs> what? I didn't expect that. Um <laughs> It's basically a haunted house movie just uh <laughs> th- throw in a gorilla. There's a gorilla in the shed and uh, Robert Pattinson has to feed him and then he escapes. Uh, And it's just part of the madness. Don't change anything else. Just throw the gorilla in. (laughs) Oh, man. Um... (laughs) That's uh... That's that's a thing. (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm just I'm so I'm so I'm just kind of stumped by that. Um... (laughs) 
That's just how my brain works, Derek. You broke me, man. It's a scary place. Okay. All right. I'm going to try to get back on track here. Okay. This one might be too much of a deep cut. We'll, we'll see. Which movie do you prefer? Captive Wild Woman, Jungle Woman, or The Jungle Captive? These are the three ape woman films from Universal. I know them well. They're in my gorilla movie stack for hey, when I'm sick. Go. I actually like them a lot too. So, yeah. I think the third one is probably my favorite. That's Jungle Captive, I believe. Yeah. It just has this kind of wild desperation to it. Like okay. we're, we're 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 doing this again and uh every idea we haven't used for this setup, which isn't many, (laughs) (laughs) but it's, it's fun. And I think because a lot of times when I'm most of the time, when I watch this movie, I am sick. So it's like a, a a fever dream almost. Oh man, I could see that. Uh, so that's, that's very enjoyable in a way. Okay. My only complaint with that one, and and I agree, I think the film itself overall, it's more fun to watch because it does have that kind of, uh, oh, let's throw everything at the wall now kind of quality, (laughs) but it doesn't have Aquanetta. Yes. It's the one where they recast, and I I like Aquanetta. That's the only problem. Yeah, she's she's a good actress and nice to look at (laughs) on screen. Yeah. All right. All right. So that was the fourth question. Question number five, you often find men in gorilla suits in jungle movies. What other classic monster would you like to see in a jungle film? Because when you're going with the classic monsters, I think you could make a very compelling uh, werewolf movie with a uh, a jungle expedition. Ooh. Oh yeah, you totally could turn it would almost turn into like a you know Murder on the Orient Express kind of style story because yeah. one of them's a werewolf, but you know who's killing them and they're going all oh man. I I would love to see something like that. I'm getting some chills, man. That's good. Somebody write that. Because if you don't, I will someday. (laughs) That's awesome. I love it. Well, that was the Classic Five. The Classic Five. There's a huge monster gorilla that's constantly growing to outlandish proportions loose in the streets. Conga, born of a scientist's dreams, bred on a madman's nightmares. Brought out of the jungle and turned into a wild beast beyond man's understanding. I am your master and you must obey me. Now you no longer have any fears. Starring Michael Goff as Dr. Decker, who stole the jungle secrets of sorcery to distill Satan's black magic in his own laboratory. Margot Johns as the girl who becomes an accessory to murder with Claire Gordon as the young student. Trapped with a madman in a nightmare world of fear, jealousy, and passion. Let me go! Thunder, you know I loved you! The jungle scene of color, excitement, and spectacle is thrillingly mixed with the close mystery of strange insectivorous and carnivorous plants. See them. Fear them. Feel the anger and the anguish of Jess Conrad in a picture charged with powerful emotion. You Conga from 1961. Over on Record All Monsters, you know, because we, we look at monster movies in order of release, giant monster movies. Right. I see trends 
a lot. And uh, 1961 was, I started calling it the first kaiju boom. Because we have four kaiju movies come out in the same year, and that's the first time that happens. What are the four Um, films? uh, Well, there's Conga, Gorgo, Mothra, and, oh, geez. What was the fourth one? Mothra, Gorgo. Oh, Reptilicus? Would that be Reptilicus, that's the one. Okay. You can see why I forgot. Uh (laughs) (laughs) That's interesting. So you consider things like Reptilicus and Gorgo kaiju films? I do personally because, I mean, what what else do you really call it? That's true. Giant, I mean, giant monster movie, but Daikaijuega means giant monster movie in Japanese. True, true. And I'm not saying I don't. I just Gorgo. I can make the leap to pretty easily. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's a dude in a suit. You know, Reptilicus is isn't, uh, and that's the one I guess would struggle with a little bit. But no, you're you're right. It makes sense. You know, by the strict definition, and it follows kind of the uh, the the plot of a kaiju movie. Uh, Discovery. Something goes wrong. Nature runs amok. Science runs amok. The military gets involved. Um, there, there's a specific trend in giant monster movies of the late 50s, early 60s of the magic bullet. Mm. Um, when we, we talked about giant behemoth on my show, we talked about they create a special missile to uh, destroy the behemoth. The same is done in uh, Reptilicus and in uh, The Beast from 20,000 Fathoms. Kind of done in the original Godzilla. Yeah, okay. So, just the the magic bullet is a repeating trope. That's my name for it. There's no academic uh, background for the recognition of this. I'm on board. I dig it. Well, thank you. There's nothing quite like that in Conga. There is like a 25-minute sequence of him just getting shot. That just goes on forever. <laughs> Man. It wouldn't get worse for a giant gorilla's death scene until the mighty Peking Man, I don't think. Uh. <laughs> it's just nonstop barraging of tracer bullets is basically what it looks like. It's not, yeah. it's not what they're using, but yeah, just nonstop. Somebody brings out a bazooka. There's explosions. Big Ben takes no damage. No. <laughs> and the little Michael Goff doll... In his hand. Uh, <laughs> he's constantly screaming, Kanga, put me down, Kanga. <laughs> it's this movie's kind of a weird mix of like the giant monster movie, the mad science movie. It's just, it's got an edge of sleaze to it. Yes. With, with Michael Goff having designs on his very young, very pretty student. And yeah, it, it's got a, uh, maybe some vibes of uh, what's the word I'm thinking of or the movie I'm thinking of. It'll come to me later, but it, it reminded me of another movie that's got some very sleazy undertones, but it's still a great monster movie. It is. And I, I think it, it walks that line just kind of perfectly for me personally. Like you still kind of feel, you don't really feel like you need to take a shower after you see it, but maybe you should wash your hands really good to me. Just the whole thing. If the movie weren't, designed and advertised around giant gorilla running amok in London. You could almost call it, call Conga like Chekhov's gorilla because (laughs) he's introduced very early. 
And then nothing happens with Conga for a long time. And I don't know. Like, I don't know who wrote the film. I don't know anything about the movie. I probably should have done a little bit more research on it, but the, the story construction of that is just, it's just odd. Well, Derek, I have some information. All right. This is what I do with giant monster movies. All right. What, so, what do you got? Producer Herman Cohen, mm-hmm. who had produced, I was a teenage werewolf. I was a teenage Frankenstein. A couple of my favorites. How to make a monster berserk. Uh, the Headless Ghost, and uh, notably, Bela Lugosi meets a Brooklyn gorilla. Um, he... <laughs> this is probably the first time in in horror fandom monster discussion history where the words notably and Bela Lugosi meets a Brooklyn gorilla were said right next to each other. <laughs> I, I think the movie's fun. Notable? Uh... It's notable in this context because (laughs) it establishes Herman Cohen's relationship with monkeys on film. Okay. Apes on film. But Herman Cohen wrote the screenplay with Aben Candle. And they're credited screenplay by Aben Candle and Herman Cohen. And then from an original idea by Herman Cohen. Huh. And I, I almost feel like uh, it's it's aping the way King Kong's writing was advertised. Tell me that which, was on purpose. Tell me that was on purpose. I what you just it said. Was. Okay, it was. It okay. was. I'm owning right. it. I'm owning it. It was. <laughs> um, it's aping the way <laughs> <laughs> the way King Kong's writing was credited as written by Edgar Wallace mm-hmm. and so and so from an idea by Marion C. Cooper. Mm-hmm. So I think they're they're doing that on purpose, but I don't know. Also, this is such a direct King Kong ripoff, it's hard to call it an original idea. Right. But that's there in big green letters in the opening credits, an original idea. I was happy to see that, though. Herman Cohen has produced and was involved with a lot of movies that I really like. You know, I interrupted you when I said a couple of my favorites regarding the two teenage Frankenstein and werewolf films. And, of course, Mm -hmm. How to Make the Monster is kind of sort of a sequel to that, but not quite. kind of takes a meta approach. Uh, Blood of Dracula, which was the other one that he did between, uh, did a handful. You know, Target Earth, I love. I love Target Mm -hmm. Earth. Uh, And Black Zoo, I don't think it's talked enough about. He has a pedigree. As a uh, B-movie, monster movie guy. Happy to see his name pop up in this. Like I said, I'd seen it before, but it had been so long since I had seen mm-hmm. it. I didn't remember Herman Cohen was involved. I didn't remember any of this. Yeah. So it was great to see. And they, they did shoot in London, and he was constantly fighting with uh, American International, the American uh, producers, financiers oh, yeah? of the movie, uh, because they were saying he was taking too long to make the movie because AIP's model was, you know, you make this in two weeks, we edit it in one and it's on the drive-in circuit, you know, the next day they were dealing with the, the British film industry. Cause this was a co-production between AIP and I can't remember the other studio. He just basically kept ignoring them until he sent the print back. Anglo amalgamated. Yes. Yeah. I think that was a uh, Stuart Levy That's was a uh, yes. representative from that company involved. Okay. I want to bring up another thing with this movie, and that oh, is yeah. the gorilla suit, specifically. I did learn about the gorilla suit, and 
I feel like there were some real missed opportunities and some real lack of respect. Yes. Uh, and I shouldn't laugh, I suppose. Um, but yeah, what do you got? What do you got? I don't well, it, it was George Barrow's famous gorilla suit, which also ties this to Robot Monster. Yep. It was not George Barrow's in the suit, however. Uh, it was an actor named Paul Stockman who was not who was a stunt actor, but was not a suit actor, notably. He he'd been in Doctor Blood's coffin, which also came up the last time uh, I was on. Um. But they they damaged the the motors in the head that helped the the jaw move. Mm. I was trying to say jaw and pulling at my jaw, but they can't see that. Uh, <laughs> when George Barrows got the suit back, he had to spend the entire rental fee pretty much repairing the head, which is yeah. The performance was okay. I mean, it, it could yeah. have been a little bit more dynamic, and I can't tell if that was the actor. I don't know if it was the producer or the director not giving adequate direction or enough time. There are a lot of Kanga just stands still and looks around with his eyes shots. Yeah. A lot. So you know that going into the movie. It's not enough to ruin the film or anything like that, but it does get a little monotonous after a while. And I can't help but wonder if somebody like George Barrows could have brought more life. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. Um, For me, what makes that watchable is I imagine the discomfort of not like the physical discomfort of being in the suit of the actor, but his like un lack of sureness of how to maybe yeah. go about that. I, I, I see him and Conga like looking around with big eyes and turning his head. And I picture the guy inside being like, well, if I were a gorilla who was, suddenly this big, I would probably be pretty nervous. And he just seems so uncertain about where to take it. And I, I think about that and it all of a sudden <laughs> makes it very fun for me. Like I said, it's, it's a little monotonous, but it's not enough to take away. I mean, because even at the end where he is just kind of standing there in front of big Ben, you've got Michael Goff yelling, Conga, put me down. <laughs> Oh man! You know, you you brought up the director is a guy named John Lamont. Mm-hmm. I, I was on his IMDb, and I didn't see any other like straight up monster movies or even horror movies. Really, a lot of crime dramas. Uh, the same year he made this movie, he worked with Claire Gordon, who played the assistant on uh, a crime drama called "And Women Shall Weep." I saw that title. Did you look at the movie poster? The one she did. Oh, it looks awesome. I did. It does. All of his movies looked very interesting to me. There's another one, Shakedown, that had Hazel Court and Donald Pleasance. And just from the cast alone, I was interested in that. And it's another crime drama. Uh, You know, I'm looking into seeing what else he's got. Yeah. But this just is such a wild outlier in his filmography. (laughs) Yeah, it really is. So you love this movie. Do you remember how you first came across it or what led to you watching it to begin with? Again, I, I think it may have been because I tend, I like to watch monkey movies when I'm sick. Okay. I had what King Kong and mighty Joe young for the longest time. And then I got some like of the public domains, the ape or ape man and stuff. Got those in the mix. Yeah. And just kind of, I started buying gorilla movies sight unseen 
Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah. How'd that work out for you? <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's coming back to me as I'm talking about this, because I was also starting to try and buy more obscure kaiju movies at the time. Okay. And I remember I passed up buying Gorgo because I found this on a double feature DVD with Yongari monster from the deep. Ah, there you go. And I said, okay, all three of these, I haven't seen it this time, but this is two movies and I probably should have gotten Gorgo. But when I finally watched Conga, when I was sick, I was like, this is perfect. This is just perfect for having a fever and falling in and out of sleep. And I couldn't believe that the movie after watching it when I was sick once was as crazy as I thought it was. And again, I've tons of times I've watched a movie while I'm sick or sleepy and it's very different from how I remember it. Congo was not any different from how I remembered it. (laughs) And that just, that just made me fall in absolute love with it. Like, it's a movie I share with people constantly, especially people who have a little bit, you know, a toe dipped into uh, monster movies. I feel like it's still a little too obscure. I think even within our circles, when we think about Michael Goff in these films, we think about Horrors of the Black Museum. Maybe you think Trog. Mm-hmm. No, or Horror of Dracula. I mean, obviously, Horror of Dracula. Um, I don't think this one comes up. And honestly, sometimes I mix it up with another movie that is not nearly on its level. I'll bring it up here in a little bit. When you first brought this up to bring, to talk about on the show, suggested it, I had to stop for a second. Because I think the way you put it was, I've been looking for an excuse to watch either of these movies again. Mm-hmm. And when I initially thought you were referring to a movie from 1969 called The Mighty Gorga, <laughs> I was starting to question whether or not I want to have you back on. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. The Mighty Gorga. I have some really interesting, fond memories about The Mighty Gorga, but it's nowhere near Conga's level. <laughs> no. Mighty Gorga's on the docket for uh, Record All Monsters Season 2. We might just have to have you on for that. <laughs> I, I would love to, because I, I think the movie's pretty rough. Mm-hmm. In mm-hmm. fact, in mm-hmm. fact, um, I, I think I talked about this on the show. You know, my, my girlfriend and I broke up, but before we broke up, she was over here and we were trying to find a movie to watch. And we were going through my Plex server. You know, Plex allows you to watch movies off your computer on various screens or whatever. And she was in the driver's seat. She had the controller and she's going through and kind of looking at the different titles and the mighty Gorg is on there. And as she's scrolling through, I said, that movie, that movie right there, the mighty Gorga. Oh man. And she's like, okay, we started watching it. And no more than 10 minutes in, she looks at me and says, do we have to keep watching this? (laughs) And I said, no, we don't. Oh, man. Uh, and I forget what we ended up watching after that, but it was nowhere near as um, mighty. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe that's why she broke up with me, you know? No. <laughs> you know, you know, I actually, uh, you bring that up. Maybe this won't make the cut of the episode, but my, my high school girlfriend broke up with me, or we broke up in part 
because she was sick of watching monster movies with me. Oh, no. Well, you dodged a bullet there, man. I did. I did. And she <laughs> listed that. She's like, you're always watching monster movies. Because we, we did watch Dracula, Dracula's daughter, and Son of Dracula all in a row one oh, night. Oh, that sounds and like, I, oh, man. It was wonderful. And she fell asleep halfway through Son of Dracula. And I was like, ah. But. No, dodged a bullet there. So, <laughs> uh, well, yeah, I'm glad that it wasn't the Mighty Gorga that you recommended because I don't think I, <laughs> I was really in the right mindset to watch it. I watched it last night, Conga, that is, <laughs> and I don't think I was quite in the Mighty Gorga mindset. I have to be in a particular mindset for it, especially since, you know what, I'm going to save it because I would love to come onto your show to talk about it. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's All do right. it. I. I, I have a block of writing to do soon, uh, so I have to rewatch it. And I, it has been a very long time since I've seen it. And uh, <laughs> I can't wait to have to write, you know, 1,500 words about the mighty Gorgo. The first time I saw it was, you know what? When I'm on your show, I'll talk about the first time I watched it. <laughs> Just leave it at that. All right. So, Conga. It's definitely mightier than the Mighty Gorga. It's got For Michael sure. Goff. The cast is okay. Uh, a lot of the college kids are kind of interchangeable, and, and mm-hmm. even the, the kind main of guy, of, yeah, the the one that's got designs on, yeah, he wasn't even somebody that really stood out to me. He, he shows up halfway through the movie, even knowing that Michael Goff is being a creep toward his girlfriend. He comes off as just being jealous and not really having. It's it's not to protect her as a person. It's almost like that's mine, and it's just yeah one one of the the kind of borderline icky things mm-hmm. is like this tug of war over Claire Gordon's character. Yeah, uh, the fight they have mm-hmm. they're in the ranger's hut. <laughs> Dude almost killed Michael Goff, or yes, Doctor Decker. And Dr. Decker, it's agreed when it's all said and done. Yeah. We're not going to talk about this. We're good. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I guess it was because he was planning to send Conga after him later. I don't know. I guess, but Uh, there was an opportunity to get rid of your rival there, dude. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Speaking of, uh, Conga getting rid of people. uh, I wanted to bring up the actor, George Pastel. Okay. Uh, who plays Professor Targo. Ah, uh, yes, yes. Uh, he's a Hammer stalwart. He mm-hmm. has bit parts in lots of Hammer movies, memorably as a uh, Mehmet Bay in their mummy, their first The Mummy. Yeah, as soon as I um, turned up on screen, I was like, oh, yes. So I was like, yeah, there you go. And I, I show this movie to everyone. Like, even before I had the podcast, I would be like, hey, y'all want to see something nuts? Uh <laughs> <laughs> And uh, a friend of mine, who's also very interested in these movies, he recognized him from not The Mummy, but one of the other Hammer Mummy films that he was in. Uh, Curse of the Mummy's Tomb. Yes, that's the one. Mm-hmm. And so we uh, uh, this like we paused the movie and went on this little detour talking about him and looking stuff up. And we found out, because as a, as a Hispanic man, it's always very important to me that non-white actors play non-white characters. Gotcha. And I was so impressed to see 
that he's actually Middle Eastern. Right? He's from Cyprus. And, uh, I mean, I, on a dartboard, I wouldn't get mad at that, you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, and he's good. He's got he's very good. Such a great voice. Uh, his voice is just phenomenal. I, you know, if I could go back and record with some of these folks, man, he's somebody I'd want to get on tape or MP3 yeah. or whatever, because that voice is amazing. Terrific voice. He's he's so good in this movie. He has two scenes, but he stands out really well. Yeah. Like, it, it's, a, it's a very good performance. And like I said, how Michael Goff knows exactly what kind of movie he's in and when to go to 11 <laughs> and when to keep it back at like maybe an eight. This guy, George Pastel plays it completely straight down the middle. Yep. Almost like Adam West in the Batman series. Just, Ooh. Oh, and he would have been a great Batman villain. He would have. Oh, but just like, yeah, he's just playing it completely straight, but still seemingly, aware of what is going on around him. Mm -hmm. it, it makes a great contrast with, you know, mustache twirling Michael Goff. Yeah. <laughs> uh, in those the scenes they share. So I, I just wanted to bring him up because he always sticks out. One of the first, his two scenes always stick out to me. Mm -hmm. Well, speaking of people that share the screen with Michael Goff, uh, what did you think of Margot Jones as Margaret? I don't know if I liked the performance. But up until the end, when she causes everything to go wrong, it really by, is kind of her fault, isn't it? Uh, kind. Well, she's driven. She, she's driven to it. Yeah, that's true. I don't want to. Yeah, that's true. She she's driven to it, but I mean, it is her final action <laughs> to give Conga too much growth serum, <laughs> which growth serum? That's a uh, you know, that's another. <laughs> it's it's from mixing animals and plants, and you yes, know, you know, growth. We didn't even talk about the greenhouse. Oh um, god, the greenhouse has some amazing plant, weird plant designs. Oh, I loved it. I loved it. It made me think of Die Monster Die. You know, I oh yeah. That, you know, uh, I loved that. But uh, as far as Margot Johns goes, I wasn't. I was okay with the performance. I was a little mixed on the character herself. It felt like she didn't really have a lot of. I don't know, agency direction. Just, yeah. she was kind of there, maybe kind of like almost like a prop to Michael Goff's character. But towards the end, you're right. She does kind of get more involved. I thought the character could have been really, really interesting. If they'd given the script another polish, like get more inside her motivation. Why is she? So, we know she's in love with Dr. Decker, but Why? Is she so devoted to him? You can't just say, oh, because she's in love with him. You like, need a little bit more than that, yeah. Let's let's get into that. Like, she could... Honestly, I could see the movie being completely from her perspective. Ooh, yeah. She is potentially the most interesting character, but it never quite gets there. I think I'm mostly disappointed by her because she stuck around after Dr. Decker killed the cat. That to me was like, nope, he's irredeemable at this point, and yes. uh, you got to get out. Which I had forgotten about that too. But as soon as the cat shows up on screen, I I knew that something terrible is going to happen to that cat, and 
It does. So be forewarned, listeners. Fortunately, they don't show it. And it's pretty obvious, not a real cat. They they show the body later. It's There's a couple of dolls, dummies, I don't know, for dead animals. That mm-hmm. It's obvious. And I'm glad, you know, that's the way they went. They didn't just, you know, tranquilize an animal and, and call it good. I'm glad they went that route. Right. But come on, man. It's a cat. You don't do that. I think it functions in the narrative as this is his irredeemable moment. Yeah. Because everything else he does after that, it's just, yeah, oh, he's gone. Yeah. He's gone. But it, it is a, a shock. I remember the first time I showed my wife, Courtney, this movie, I did not warn her. I usually have to warn her when there's something like that. Um, yeah. And I just, it completely slipped my mind. And I was like, oh, no. <laughs> like right before... I paused it and was like, okay, so hold on a second. Yeah. Uh, so this was made into a comic. Yes. By Steve Ditko, Steve Spider-Man Ditko. Yes, sir. I, I use it as sometimes as one of my uh, Facebook cover images, Conga waiting to catch a missile. I've never read it. And maybe that makes me a bad comic book fan. I don't know. Uh, does it follow the movie or does it just tell more tales? How, how do they justify getting 24 issues of story out of Conga? Charlton Comics got the rights to three of the four giant monster movies that came out in 1961. Congo, Gorga, and Reptilicus. I, was, I knew they had Gorgo. I guess I didn't realize they had Reptilicus. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, they, they did less with Reptilicus. I think Reptilicus only got 12 issues. I think Conga and Gorgo both got 24 and at one point, Gorgo and Conga do cross paths in the comics. Really? It's not in the one I have. I think that's in the... Because uh, the, I, have, I have the Gorgo book, Steve Ditko's Monsters. Okay, okay. Which is gorgeous. And there's an, an ad for the Conga one, which I can never find on the back page. And I think the crossover is in the Conga one. But... Yeah, it's just further adventures, basically. They pretend Conga didn't die and keep moving forward. Just okay. Conga does more stuff. Well, that's out there. And I was going to ask about that Steve Deco's monster collection, because I've, I've seen it online. I don't own it, but it looks it looks gorgeous. Yeah, I actually got the this Gorgo one as a gift. I was so excited, and I've read it a few times. I've I like to lend it to other people who have, you know, interest in comics and monsters. Sure. These, these comics, Steve did go <laughs> monster comics are a lot of fun. His art style for all of that. It's just nuts. I love it. Mm-hmm. And I guess I kind of love Conga, you know, I, Good. I, I you know, <laughs> let Conga into your heart, Derek. Uh, it's bereft of music for a good chunk of the film. I could have used yes. a little bit more film score, but you know, that's just me. Uh, and a lot of times it sounded a lot like the music from Horace of the Black Museum, which, you know, it's by the same guy, George Sherman. Yeah. Sher- you know, I think I pronounced that correctly, which is great. And I've got that on, C- I was about to say on CD. That's not true. I've got some MP3s of that around here somewhere. So I wondered if it wasn't stock music or library music, just because it kind of, hmm. kind of flies under the radar. It's not bad. No, not at all. Um, uh, it's enjoyable. I also get really bogged down in the details of the score, but a lot of times if I don't 
like I, I didn't feel compelled to look up the composer. I mean, I knew him from horrors of the black museum mm-hmm. uh, and a few other things. So, I mean, and he did a couple things for hammer too, you know, uh, lost continent, their version mm-hmm. of, uh, no, that wasn't their version. Was it? No, it wasn't. That was the Disney version of Dr. Sin that he did. Interesting. Oh, but he did some other hammer stuff, camp on blood Island, a few other things here and there. So, yeah, I mean, he's, he's good. I like him. He's not somebody I think of when I think about classic horror film composers right off the bat, yeah. but you know, it's good stuff. And like I said, I've listened to the horrors of the black museum on my iPod years ago over and over and over again. Cause it's so pompously grand. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a good soundtrack. There's a lot of good cues in it. Uh, and then you've got the Michael Goff screaming, Conga, let me down. Conga, which- put me down. Conga. Put me down. <laughs> oh, man. It's it's good stuff. I really enjoyed it uh, a lot. Uh, you know, it, it kind of meanders a little bit here and there, but it's still, you know, you, you're you're caught up in the wake that Michael Goff leaves behind uh, in every scene yes. that he's in. Yeah. Uh, and he's just deliciously bad in this and irredeemable and does some pretty terrible things. So it's okay that he kind of gets his in the end. You know, he had it coming. No, it, it's one of those mad scientist movies where you feel good watching, you know, his, uh, his experiment come to an inevitably tragic conclusion. There you go. It's a good way to put it. You tampered in God's domain. Isn't that the way you should just stay away, <laughs> stay out of that. Ain't that just the way. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So Congo right now it is available on Blu-ray. I don't know if the DVD is still in print. No, the uh, the uh, DVD through MGM is no longer in print. It's a Kino Lorber Blu-ray. Mm-hmm. Is wonderful. There's not a day has gone by where I have not been happy that it's in my collection. I might ask you to uh, send me, if you don't mind, the radio spot recording. Yeah, I'd love, I can I'd do love that. to drop it in this episode. I don't think I think I can absolutely do that. I have a bunch of radio spots. I don't think I have Congo. I may have it on file from my show, so I'll I'll take okay. a look. And if not, I'll re-record it tonight. Well, listeners can look forward to that at the end of this chat. And if they need more of you, they can look for you over at the Record All Monsters podcast. I'll make sure there's links in the show notes, but just basically look up Record All Monsters. You're gonna find him. Uh, he's got a new episode coming out tomorrow. You said it's a mini sode. It's a mini-sode. We call them Quick Looks. Okay. It's a Record All Monsters Quick Look at Rankin Bass's The King Kong Show. And uh, the movie King Kong Escapes was spun off from that. Which is one of my absolute favorite films. I love (laughs) King Kong Escapes so much. Uh, So much so that I spent a good chunk of money off of a gift card that was given to me to get the Italian uh, film poster that i have of it framed oh man <laughs> i just don't know where i'm gonna put it it's, it's the one thing that i don't know where i'm gonna put in my new place because i i want to give it a nice place of honor that i can look at all the time mm-hmm. but i don't want it to just be there you know so i'm trying to figure out where it's gonna go but i love it i love king kong escape so much it's so good yeah oh maybe i'll go watch that here <laughs> uh, who am i kidding we both know i'm gonna go watch the mighty Gorga. <laughs> come on <laughs> the mighty how can how could you pick King Kong escapes over the mighty Gorgut. (laughs) 
I'll go have myself some of that chili we were talking about a little bit earlier and put in the Mighty Gorga. That's my evening. <laughs> Thanks for doing this. I appreciate it. It is a, a time zone difference, so I appreciate you staying up late to do this recording. Uh, you're always welcome here. So I'm always happy to be on, Derek. You know, like I said, I, I listened to MKR before I even had my own podcast, and I'm just so happy to be a part of it. Right on. I'm happy to have you on, man. <laughs> Mighty Gorka. <laughs> uh, the thing is, I'm only half kidding. I, you know, <laughs> I may, may go put it in. Ponga. Not since King Kong has the screen exploded with such mighty fury. Defying bullets, bombs, rockets, standing a hundred feet tall, sending an entire civilization into panic. Ponga. In color and spectimation. Today was like any other. The hum of daily activity until... Reptilicus. A beast born 50 million years out of time, spreading terror in its path, destruction in its wake, towering over the cities of the world. Reptilicus. Invincible, indestructible. Reptilicus. In color from American International, even after you see it, you won't believe it. Reptilicus. Thank you. I've been standing there for centuries. <laughs> yes, I suppose it seemed... Why, it's raining, but you're not wet. No, I'm not, am I? Uh, where are you coming from? I was watching a wonderfully terrifying double feature movie. I was a teenage Frankenstein in Blood of Dracula. Oh? Professor Frankenstein created a teenage monster to bring havoc and terror to all who meet him. But he left a few parts out, particularly in the poor lad's face. Uh, may we take And the, the vampire in Blood of Dracula, quite unfriendly except when hungry, than any friend will do for a few ghastly moments. Please, I... Oh, here's where I must leave you. But there's nothing here but an old cemetery. Yes, I know. I want to meet some old friends here. After you see I was a teenage Frankenstein in Blood of Dracula, you might drop back here. We'll discuss the pictures to some length. <laughs> yes, yes, I'll do that! <laughs> the fantastic duel of the century, the most ferocious battle in history. The flesh and blood King Kong fights his most incredible enemy, a 60-foot robot King Kong forged of super steel. King Kong escapes. All new, all thrilling in Technicolor. King Kong battles missiles, monsters, and a King Kong of steel. King Kong escapes. A Toho Company limited picture, a universal release. Okay, I wasn't kidding. I really did just go watch The Mighty Gorgo when I was done recording with Robert. I should have sat down and edited the episode, but... I just needed a break from the office, from the computer, and of course I'm going to unwind with the Mighty Gorga, because that's just who I am. You know what? It wasn't nearly as bad as I remember it being. It has its charm. It's got some bright spots. Is it as good as Conga? Absolutely not. I would never, ever try to convince you otherwise. <laughs> I had a really good time with this episode. Robert really stepped up. He reached out to me because I said I didn't know what I was going to be doing on the next episode of Monster Kid Radio. We set up the Conga recording. We made it happen. Thank you again to Robert. Kenny, thank you so much for putting up with my kind of wishy-washy release schedule as of late. I'm trying real hard, real hard 
to get things back down to uh, you can count on it kind of schedule. I'm thinking Thursday night, Friday morning is what we're going to be shooting for from now on. And of course, Mark Maskey keeps bringing the ultra heat with the beta capsule review. Thanks, everybody, for being part of the show. If you want to be part of the show, there's a couple of ways you can do that. If you have an idea for a segment and would like to contribute to the show, either as a one-off or a regular thing, drop me a line. Or if you have any feedback for the show. You can call and leave a voicemail for Monster Kid Radio at 503-810-5MKR. That's 503-810-5657. Or you can send an email to the podcast. MonsterKidRadio at gmail.com is the email address. That's MonsterKidRadio at gmail.com. This is, of course, listed on the website over at MonsterKidRadio.net with links to our Patreon, Discord, Facebook page, Facebook group, Facebook... Okay, no, that's it. Facebook page, Facebook group, and Twitter. We got the Twitter as well. And I'm thinking about bringing back or reactivating or getting back into Instagram with Monster Kid Radio. I'm on Instagram personally under It's Pronounced Cook. Wednesdays on Instagram personally as Wednesday Potato. Why don't we get the Monster Kid Radio Instagram up and running as well? Stay tuned for that. That'll be coming in the near future. What else is coming in the near future? I have no idea. Once again, I have no idea what we're doing for next week's episode. So stay tuned. But in the meantime... Remember that Monster Kid Radio is a registered service mark of Monster Kid Radio, LLC. All original content of Monster Kid Radio by Monster Kid Radio, LLC is licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution, non-commercial, no derivative, 3.0, unported license. Of course, that doesn't apply to the song Drywall. That is copyright 2017, Surf Manchu. It's from their album, The Beast from the East. You can pick up at surfmanchu.bandcamp.com. My name is Eric Kim Cook. I'll talk to everybody next week. Whether I have a movie or a topic to talk about or not. <laughs> Ciao.